Are you planning for retirement, buying a home, sending your kids to college, or looking for ways to protect your estate assets? The Simply Advised podcast connects you to trusted professionals, subject matter experts who communicate critical information in a meaningful and memorable way to guide you to make smart choices. Listen in as our experts help you handle whatever life throws your way. Hello and welcome to another Simply Advised podcast. The goal of this podcast is very simple, to provide you with executable, actionable, and amazing education when it comes to financial services. Today is no different because we have a family affair here. We've got Frederick Pratt Sr., Frederick Pratt, Fred Pratt Jr., well, they're going to be called Freds, at the Wealth Harvest Group, plus their whole family. We're going to get a chance to get to know them here in just a minute. But as we begin, we're going to start the podcast as we do the same way, which is I want to know your guys' story about your journey to become financial services professionals. We're going to start with Fred Jr. here, the newest. Are you the newest addition to the firm? No, I've, I've been around for about six years. Oh, there we go. Well, let's talk about those six years and talk about what happened before you became a financial advisor and your journey to become one. I went to the University of Ottawa. I was in, wow, I went to the Telfer School of Management and did a Bachelor of Commerce in both finance and accounting. But even before that, my father's been in the business a lot longer than me. And when I was about 15, he started in this and he was teaching me strategies that we still use today. I knew I wanted to do that at some point in my life, but I didn't know I was going to do it right out of university. I still had other goals while I was in university. I was on the University of Ottawa golf team. Thought I had a shot at maybe going pro, but then we started playing against some NCAA Division II schools in the U.S. and they would kick our butts pretty good. So <laughs> realized I wasn't going to be a professional golfer. So I decided let's give this finance thing a shot. And right out of school, like we we joined, I joined my father and we started our own little business and we haven't looked back since. I've been doing this for about six years now, got my certified financial planner designation within about three years after. Also my chartered life underwriter designation, which is basically just to help business owners with their estate issues, basically. I also started a little initiative called How to Adult, which is something that I've started with my wife, who's a lawyer. And we've kind of joined together with a bunch of other young professionals, like a lawyer, a mortgage broker, a real estate agent, a couple of commercial bankers. It's just a referral relationship where we try to educate younger professionals because we realize that people coming right out of school don't know a whole lot because we were, we were, we were those people not that long ago, but so we're trying to really educate people right out of school and it's a good little referral network. So if we don't know the answer to something, we know the person who has the answer. And the other person who knows the answer is, is the guy sitting next to you right here, right? Senior, let's uh, talk about your journey. I've been a financial advisor for uh, 16 years now. I, I guess the most exciting thing that my clients love to hear about me is what I used to do prior to becoming a financial advisor. Ironically enough, I was a force technician. I guess I still am. And I owned a couple of sawmills. In my career as a sawmill uh, manager, I had upwards of about 23 employees. And we were doing a lot of hardwood back then and supplying the, the hardwood manufacturers in terms of flooring, furniture, and various different other products. 
But I guess my claim to fame is later on in, in, in that industry, the, the industry started struggling and we had to reinvent ourselves. And I had this individual come up to me and he, he asked me if I could produce a certain specific type of, of, of lumber. And I said, yeah, I, I could do it. Just tell me what the dimensions are. And he said, I need a, a three inch by three inch by 36 inch. And, and I've never seen that before. And I said, what's this for? He said, well, it's for baseball bats for the major leagues. And I said, okay, what type of, of wood are you looking at? And he said, I, I'm looking for sugar maple. And I said, okay, I thought baseball bats were made out of ash. You know, I, I did have an understanding of what the products were made with. At that point in time, he said, I, I'm, you may not have heard of me, but I'm the one who makes the baseball bats for Barry Bonds. And I said, okay, be, be, being Canadian, I'm not much of a baseball follower. And I, I, at that moment, I had no clue who Barry Bonds was. He kind of told me, he says, well, he's, he's the Wayne Gretzky of, of baseball. And he's hit 73 home runs and because of my baseball bat. I said, okay, yes, I could definitely produce that piece of wood for you. And we got into it and we started producing it. He, he would look at my, my waist and said, this is beautiful, but it's a little heavy. And I said, what do you mean it's heavy? He says, well, when we turn a bat, it's got to be a certain weight. And I said, okay, so where do I get this light wood? And anyway, he was telling me where his supplier was getting it. And we ended up going in your neck of the woods, Southern New York, Pennsylvania. We bought some logs there, brought them back up to Quebec and we sawed them up. Bingo, we had light wood, we had beautiful wood. We were helping uh, this individual make baseball bats for Barry Bonds. At one point in time, we really truly thought that it was our wood that was making this guy so great. We, there was no mention of steroids back then. It was a bit of a deception, but it was it was great. It was a lot of fun. It, it was definitely more than just the bats, right? I have yeah, so yeah, obviously we're talking about financial services here. As I mentioned, I started my career 16 years ago. I was at the ripe old age of 42. I, I had basic knowledge of how to invest because I, I'd been investing my own money. And I was actually ha helping family members. And, and eventually, when, when things didn't go that well in the forest industry, people coaxed me into getting it, into this line of work. And I, I kind of did slowly. It took me a year and a half. I got my licenses. And I got into it and right away I, I started finding success. People enjoyed the fact that I was very personable and, and my mom always told me, and, and I use this line to this day, son, you have two ears and one mouth. You need to listen twice as much as you speak. And that's what I tell my clients. And I, I, I work on building relationships. We've had some amazing clients in the last 14, 15 years. We've, we've done very well for our client and they, they just love us. Now, what sets you guys apart as a financial advisor? There are a lot of financial advisors that people can choose from. Why would they choose you? I, I, I think what sets us apart is that we are family-based. Uh, right now, you're talking to the two Freds, Fred Jr. and Fred Sr., and we do a lot of retirement tax and estate planning, investments, a bit of insurance. And my spouse, who's next to me that you, you, uh, you can't see right now, she does something else uh, within our organization. She's a group uh, benefit specialist and does pension plans. Uh, she's been doing this for about a dozen years now. And we've just recently hired my stepdaughter. 
How old are you? 21? So she's 21. She's been working with us for about a, a month. Her role right now is admin and marketing, and we want to encourage her to probably get into an advisory role in about three, four, five years. When she's ready, she's got a lot of stuff to learn. What you're getting with our advisory team is you're getting a lot of experience, a lot of diversity, uh, age different, gender differences. Uh, yeah, with the right amount of tech experience as well. Because yeah, that's probably our weakness, especially my weakness. Yes. Well, if you guys don't mind, uh, let's let's let everybody just kind of chime in real quick and absolutely. We're, we're gonna we're gonna introduce you, Caroline. Go ahead. Hi everyone. Hi Caroline. <laughs> Hi. All right. So remind us what you do, Caroline. My role, if I take a couple of steps back, when I first started in the industry, I basically, it was like walking into an ice cream store. I tried everything. I, I, I dabbled into life insurance and critical illness and disability products. And I had my mutual fund license. I was talking to clients, anybody who had a heartbeat, I'd talk to them about, you know, maybe investing some money, looking into different products. And I found out quite quickly that I didn't like doing most of that stuff. I was gravitating more towards something more defined. Mind. Still not knowing what it was. It was because of Fred that kind of encouraged me to look into the group health benefit world. He set me out one day and said, I know you don't know what you're doing, but he says, just get out there and go talk to people because people like to talk to you. Uh, so that's exactly what I did. Fell on my face, didn't know what the jack I was doing. I really didn't know the product, but I love talking to people. The long and the short is I got real good, real fast, talked to a lot of main carriers across Canada that we all deal with, educated myself really quickly in that department and I found out that it was really something that had a lot of synergy with me. So I was able to better myself with all the education that I got, trial and error, let's just say, and that got really good at it. And I realized that it doesn't matter what company you're promoting or talking about. It doesn't matter what type of plan design you're talking about. When you're in the group world and you're talking to business owners, whether they're small, medium, or large, they all have a need. They need to like the person that they're talking to. They need to feel comfortable. They need to trust them and feel confident that 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 person being me will be there for their team members when they need the help the most. That's awesome. I've been doing this for probably the group business has stuck to me for whew, probably about seven to eight years now. And I'm loving it. I haven't looked back. The fact that my daughter is in the business now, I'm really aspiring that she sticks to my side of the business, hopefully, rather than the guys, because one day I'd like to eventually pass the baton over and work real hard to build a nice client base so that Alyssa can roll into that part of the business, keep going with it. So that's, that's my hope there for Alyssa. Awesome. So having said that, I'll pass it over to Alyssa so she can talk a little bit about herself. Yeah. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I never thought I would be sitting in this office ever. If I was going to be sitting in this office, I would have been the client, not the other way around. For years, they have been telling me that they thought that this would be the place for me, that I would eventually end up here. And I would always look at my mom and say, mom, if I ever have to do what you have to do, I think I would just lose it. <laughs> and I always thought that I would be a cop 
a firefighter, a paramedic, something like the RCMP in the military. I always thought that that was me. And you know what? I almost got that. Before I was here, I was a security guard at the Ottawa hospital. I worked there throughout this whole pandemic that's been going on. I've seen what life can really be like for some people. And I think honestly, working there will probably help me in this field now that I've switched over because I know what it's like to see people who need help and who can't get it. And if I can be a person like that one day as I grow into eventually becoming an advisor, that would be something that I would cherish for the rest of my life. I mean, if you guys are thinking of family business, this is a place to be. This is what you want. Well, let's talk more about the whole family business thing, because we talk about your ideal clients. Obviously, you guys kind of walk the walk and talk the talk because you are a family run business and, and that is who you want to focus on, correct? You're, you're absolutely right. We actually try to practice what we preach. So when we do meet clients, our, our job is to try to get them, try to get to know them better. We actually tell our clients, we want to put ourselves in your shoes. It's very important that we do a complete analysis on you and we completely understand you from a financial point of view, from what your goals are, what your visions are, maybe a bit of your past. And, and when, once we get a hold of that information, Matt, what we do is we'll, we'll think about it for a week or two and a lot of back and forth, other questions. And when I feel comfortable, both of us, we'll, we'll put a plan in place. And we'll put a plan in place based on, again, putting ourselves in their shoes and using our knowledge and say, hey, if I was George, this is what I would do for George with my knowledge. And when we present these plans, we, we make sure that we, we do it in a timely manner. We, we, we try to be very simplistic in a very complicated world. Yeah. Part of our job, I feel, is to really educate and to really to, to really be part of our clients' lives. And we want to ensure that any decision that they make is based on their complete knowledge or complete satisfaction of what it is that we put, put forth. So that's very important. We focus a lot on passing money on to the next generation, succession planning, all that stuff. So that's really where we're practicing what we preach because I'm his succession plan. We already have Alyssa in as Caroline's succession plan. So we see that a lot in our industry that advisors are out there saying, yeah, you guys need to plan for the next generation, but they're not doing it themselves. So that's, that's something that we really try to accomplish. But in terms of an ideal client, as you're saying, I mean, <laughs> I like to joke and say that anybody who doesn't like to pay taxes is an ideal client for us. But, but really where we seem to bring the most value is people that are within a few years of retiring or a few years after retiring, because we can do a lot for those people. Most of the time, what we're looking at is trying to maintain their old age security, things like that. So if somebody's a little bit older and has already made those decisions, we can't necessarily help them as much. There's still things that we can do, but... Really, that uh, that target client is somewhere around the, the 50 to 60 range for sure. Yeah, I, I would even yeah. go down to 45 to 60. Depending on the person, absolutely. Yeah. Sure. Well, let's talk about the difference making again. So one of the differences that you guys really talk about regularly in your other educational events that you do is that there is a fundamental planning difference between how you guys do stuff and how some of the other people in your area. And it really has to do with the markets. Would you guys mind diving into that a little bit? I think one of the biggest factors that we look at that a lot of advisors don't necessarily look at is sequence of returns. In the accumulation phase, sequence of returns is, is not 
It's not a big issue. Any given year, if you're in the market, you'll 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 have a, a rate of return. It could be plus five, minus three, plus two. And, and if we look at the overall average over five years, we'll have five percent rate of return. Now it doesn't matter how that sequence happens. If you get the minus ten in year one or year five, you'll still have an average of five. Now, if we uh, put the switch on and we go into the phase where we're withdrawing monies in our retirement years, sequence of returns are extremely important. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Let's say January 1st of 2022, you've decided that, yes, I, I'm ready to, to withdraw some of my funds. Six months prior, the markets went down 10%. And we've seen that before, and we're going to see it again. Now we're, you've dropped 10%, and we're taking twenty thirty thousand dollars $30,000 from your portfolio, that is gonna be extremely tough to recuperate. So what we do that's different, uh, there's two elements, and, and this is really a case-by-case -case basis, but speaking about the ideal client, we, ha we have some significant assets. We'll, we'll look at, when we draw the money, we like to draw, in certain situations, a lump sum every January, and whether you need it or not. Okay, so when we do that, the only reason we will do that is if we know that you've made money. If you've made money up to a year ago, you've, you've got a healthy rate of return, then we are actually drawing from maybe a bit of capital and a lot of growth. So we're kind of trying to preserve the capital. Okay, and if we've had a negative prior six months or a year, we've put money in what we call a cash wedge. It's usually two year, two annual yearly payments that we'll put, put in a cash wedge. And so January comes up and we'll ask you, the client, do you need the money? If the answer is yes, and the markets are down, we'll go in the cash wedge. If the answer is no, then we'll say, okay, we're not going to pay you. But in six, seven months from now, if the market recuperates, I don't care if you need the money or not, we're going to pay you anyway. And if you don't need that money, trust me, we'll find somewhere to put it. Now, this money I'm talking about is registered money. Yeah, okay. no, exactly. So that that's the other thing we like to do a lot is we're very aggressive with withdrawing registered money even early on. So a lot of times what we see is people at the banks get advice where they should be getting their CPP and their old age security right away. And then they should be taking the RIF minimum once they turn 71 because they don't minimize tax. They're trying to defer tax as long as possible. Yeah. But that also helps the bank because that means that the bank is accumulating more of their money every single time. So they're very happy to continue to get income from you. I'm not sure that's the best advice. What we like to say is like, let's delay your old age security and your CPP till 70. You'll get more from the government. Let's eat away at your RSPs now, even though it means less money for us over the next 10 years, we don't care about that. It's, it's, not always, about us. it's <laughs> always about what's best for the client. So we're really about putting ourselves in the client's shoes, as my, as my father said. I want to take that to the next level here, because this idea of sequence of returns is wildly applicable to all of what you guys do, especially when it comes to estate planning, succession planning, and business with business owners. So do you guys mind just kind of breaking that down a little bit more for with with when if you closed your eyes and you pictured your ideal client, how does all of this apply, especially when it comes to business owners and estate planning? Taxes are, are huge, especially for high net worth clients. What we like to say to our clients, it's not what, what you what make. You keep. Rates of return are great. There's not an advisor out there that, that doesn't talk about rates of return with their clients. Uh, we base everything on a rate of return of 5%. 
With a medium to aggressive portfolio, we can't guarantee anything, but we feel confident that we can get five, six, seven percent, especially with the aggressive portfolios. But everything's based on five percent. So now, when we're looking at this, we're we're looking at insuring, and we're talking about somebody that's retiring. So we're looking at ensuring that while you're withdrawing your monies, while you're alive, we want to eliminate the taxable income. Okay, but we want to make sure that you're also tax efficient while we're withdrawing this. Now, as my my son mentioned, delaying the old age security and the Canada pension plan at age 70 sometimes makes a lot of sense. And we are aggressively withdrawing the RSPs between 60 and 70. We want to try to preserve that old age security. We don't want that clawback to happen. Sometimes we can't avoid it because we get the clients a little later on. Yeah. We're, we're actually dealing with two clients right now, two specific age ranges. There, one couple is mid 55, yeah, 50, 55. The other ones are 67, 68. The 67, 68 have been drawing your CPP and their old age security since their 60s. And boy, I wish I would have met them when they were 59, because the first thing I would have told them is you don't need to do this, delay it. So now they have amassed a huge quantity of registered money that if we start drawing out, the tax bill is going to be heavy. And eventually, like, like they're going to die with a lot of registered money, which is going to be taxed at 53.53 percent yeah. marginal tax rate. Yeah, that, that hurts us when we see that. So what what? Most advisors out there seem to think is like, we got to try to get the best rates of return. And that's, that's their bottom line. Like they're using that as their bottom line. That's not our bottom line. Our bottom line is what is the most amount of tax-free money that we can pay you every single year? And what is the most amount of tax-free money that we can pay you when you pass away? Eventually? When we do the wealth transfer. Exactly. Yeah. So that that is all that we care about. Obviously, we need to have some sort of good rate of return to accomplish that. But that, that is the last thing we're thinking about. We're always thinking about like, how are we going to withdraw the money? Where are we withdrawing the money? Where are we putting it to make sure that it's as tax efficient as possible? That's really what we, we play with. Yeah. And, and Matt, every now and then we'll, we'll, we'll get a client call us up. Hey, I, I've got a project. I, I need to extend a, a room in my cottage. I need $35,000. So what we do is we line up our clients right away and we let them know that we are your CFOs. Treat us like your chief financial officer. We're in your corner. What, whatever move that you need to make, I, I want to know the good, the bad, and the ugly in your life, okay? If you need $40,000, $35,000, you give us a call. Our job is to show you where we're going to take that money from as tax efficiently as possible. I do not want, I do not like giving our government money. They are wasteful. They don't know what they're doing with it. Our clients have worked very hard all of their life. We want their money to stay within their family unit as much as possible. Let me ask a follow-up question with that, because how does this then apply to a large transaction? So let's say somebody is 50 years old, right? And they're, they're selling their business. So they have a succession plan in place. What do you guys do for them? I mean, because we're talking about you're a family-run business. You have an internal succession plan, which is magnificent for continuity of relationships and education, philosophy of, of investment. But what about a, a business owner who maybe owns that sawmill, who's going to sell that? How do you guys work with people like that? I love that question because I, I do have a business background and 
We do uh, work a lot with business owners. There's different variations here. I like working with business owners that actually are, are looking to sell their business to a family member. That, that, that's very exciting uh, for us. So what we look at is, and you, usually when a transition like that is happening, wealth is involved. The, the business is doing well and there's accumulated assets. So those accumulated assets are usually retained earnings. What we try to plan with the retained earnings is at an estate level, we'll, we'll, we'll fund a life insurance contract with the right retained earnings to, to not only shelter money from taxation and growth, but also as an estate plan, if the shareholder eventually passes away, there's a, a significant, almost tax-free death benefit yeah. that goes to the heirs to offset any taxes that might occur from that death. It also creates a pretty good retirement plan for the business owner themselves using the cash values that can also be accessed very tax efficiently. So it's really a win-win for for business owners when when we put a strategy like this in place. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I really don't want to get in taxation with businesses because it is complex. Yeah. But but what people need to understand with, with, with any types of money that you have in the business, whether it's sitting in a bank account or is invested, for every dollar of income you make, we call that passive income. That passive income is taxed at 50.17%. It's not a graded tax system. Now, I don't care if you make $1 or $10 million, you will pay 50.17% tax on that growth. Not crazy about that. So we have solutions to kind of take care of that. I do my best to prepare for these shows. And, and you guys just did a great job. Did I should I have asked you something else about any of that that kind of separates you guys around? I mean, so Junior, you've got your your CFP and your COU, and plus that cool network that you were talking about right up at the top of the show. Does any of that lend to a difference between you and the advisor down the street? How we really dif- differentiate ourselves is because a lot of advisors are one-man shows. <laughs> One-person <laughs> shows, right? So they they don't even have a team around them. Like we have a, we have a team, but we're, we're, we're all, our strengths are all pretty aligned here. So sometimes we don't know the answer to something. We, we just don't. So we have to go to an accountant or we have to go to a mortgage broker. And we like to work with people that we know and trust as well, because when we form good relationships with them, it just means that their name is on the line as well. So it really, it really lends to a pretty amazing networking. It's good to have a deep bench, right? That's uh, that's one of the nice things about being a true professional is you know that you don't know everything and you're going to surround yourself with people uh, that do. So is there anything else that you guys would like to add? I mean, we covered a lot of real estate today. I'm sure that there are some other things that you think that our audience should know about. What we uh, really like to do for new clients, for prospective clients is build what we call tax and estate retirement plans, TERPs. We really, we kind of figured out a, a few years ago that building a 30 page retirement plan for somebody really, really like it, it looks fancy. It looks cool, but it, it, in the end, people don't really understand them. And it's, it, I, I don't know a single person who's ever read all 30 pages. So basically we kind of just like to make this one page, everything there. It's a, basically a cash flow statement that shows everything that you're going to your income over the next 20, 30, 40 years, and how much you're going to leave behind. So that's really what we pride ourselves on doing. Matt, I, I, I want to explain what he just said, and you take the better version, okay? When I started this line of work, very gung-ho, very eager, we were using all kinds of software to make these financial plans. 
And, and it was great. We, we thrown some numbers and, and the, the software would spit out this 30, 35 page plan. It had pie charts and line graphs and all the verbiage. And I was excited to present this to my, to my clients. And I would, it would take me 45, 50 minutes. And my clients would look at me like that, that deer in a headlight glaze and say, Fred, this is beautiful, but really I, I have no clue what you just talked about. So I did that for two, three years and, and it just, it didn't work for me. So what I decided to do is again, we, we try to be as simplistic as we can in a very complex industry. So I decided to build an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> very simple. I added a bit of color to it. And on there, you'll see your Canada pension plan, your old age security, your RSP, your TFSA, your Lira, pension income, uh, taxable income, tax-free income, the old age security clawback. And you'll see that for every single year that you're gonna live. If you're 60, I'll have it from 60 to age 93. And then you will see every single number. And we use this chart to show our clients their, their roadmap of the future. This year, we could easily pay you $57,000. We could index that. And look, you're 60, you're going to get 57000 By the time you're 79, well, that 50 whatever is going to be 83000 And they see that. And Matt, the appreciation that we get from our clients with these charts is unbelievable. They love it. They love the simplicity. And when we do our annual reviews, we pull out that chart and we just start all over again and it's, it's it works good and and that's why the rate of return doesn't necessarily mean all that much because we're showing that based on a five percent rate of return if we're getting you six or seven then the numbers just look even better so really what that chart shows is it's not what you make it's what you keep, keep. absolutely absolutely and if somebody wants to reach out to find out a little bit more about who you guys are, or if they want to engage you uh, in your level of expertise here, what's the best way for them to reach out? A couple of ways, Matt. Probably the best way would be to uh, look us up on our webpage. That's www.wealthharvestgroup.com. They could find us there either through email or phone number. I, I will give you uh, our phone number. It's area code 613. 829-7874, extension 292. I think we we have a Twitter account. Yeah, we got we a have Facebook. We've got YouTube. We've got everything pretty much set up. And no matter which site you go to, every other thing is there for the links. Everything's there. So you've got it. Okay. That's absolutely fantastic. And we're going to make sure everybody that those links are in the show notes. So those of you who are listening, all you have to do is click on the show notes and you'll see all of the links. Well, Pratt family, I want to thank you very, very much. This was super enjoyable and super educational, and we really appreciate you being on the show. We appreciate you having us, and hopefully we could do this again real soon. Nice. Take care, everybody. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast, because that way, every time we come out with a new piece of education, it'll show up directly on your listening device. So for everybody at the Pratt family and all of us here, we thank you, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Thank you for listening to the Simply Advised podcast. Click on the link to subscribe to our podcast and learn more about how we can help you become more confident and informed about your financial choices.